No, this is interesting. I, I, I was really excited to get along during this entire podcast, but I guess we're going to fight early on in the, in the interview. <laughs> And we are back with another part train. I am Evan Singer. We got Mr. Matt Cermak here. What's going on, my man? What's up, guys? We're back. We're rolling. All good. This was was a special one, and we'll tell you why in a bit. But in case you're new, the part train helps you live a life less frustrating than your golf game. Learn how to get better and achieve peak performance on and off the course from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, plus one handicaps like the one today, and more. It's time to finally enjoy the ride. A little bit of context. We talk about it a bit on the interview, but Ryan Winehouse, we've talked about him a lot on this show. Mutual best friend. The whole reason we started this show, uh, Matt and I gave a joint speech at his uh, wedding because I was, I'm the childhood best friend. Matt's the college best friend. We just made guys, fun of him the whole time. Yeah, it was great. Um, there might have been a wig involved. Who knows? But uh, you guys played together at Missouri State, and Ryan... Yep you know, growing up was the number one or number two amateur player ranked in Missouri. Um, Always been one of the best players in the area. And so, you know, our last two mental game roundtables, I know this is some of your guys' favorite episodes, ours too. We've had, what were they, like 11, 12 handicaps? Yep. Um, We thought it was time to bring on um, a really great player, a, a great player, you know, and talk about the mental side. And so we're hoping that you guys can really learn um, from a lot of the stuff that he does well and, and struggles with too. But um, real quick, a word from our friends at Roback. They, they are hot right now. They oh, are just hot. releasing so many new stuff right now. And guys, they sell out so quick. And if you're a Partrain listener, you can get 15% off um, for your first Roback year. Um, and so something to keep in mind, they just launched hoodies. Now that you can wear hoodies, it's kind of cool to wear hoodies on the golf course. They just launched Hoodie. performance hoodies. Yep. They got vests. They got Q-zips. They got, they got tons, long sleeve performance tees to layer in. I mean, tons of new patterns in their polos too. The the thing that I want to say, I've said it before, that if you've never worn or tried a piece of rowback gear before, I think the thing to remember is Matt and I are lucky enough to get a lot of their stuff for free as a partner. Yet I still buy their stuff. Yeah, I, I still if I if we're not set to get a, a shipment. And I just can't. I, I just can't wait to get some of their stuff. I buy it anyways. That's how good it is. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's once you yeah. put it on, you'll never go back. I mean, I got to do a lot of layering here in Chicago, and just with the long sleeve polos, the uh, long sleeve t-shirts, the vests, the the Q zips, the, the the clothes really layer well too, which is yeah. kind of fun. Like you just keep getting more stuff. You kind of just keep building your look, and it's just so comfortable. Guys, hit the link in our show notes. It's also always linked in our social accounts at the Par Train. Follow us if you're not already, and you'll get 50% off your first order. So hit up rowback.com um, from our link. No need to enter a code. It'll work, um, and you'll get your discount. So, all right, we talked a little bit about it, um, but I think this episode was really interesting because not only can you learn what separates, like how to get to a plus one handicap, like what Ryan does well, Versus yep. maybe me as the seven, a lot of that hit home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was also a lot of stuff and th- that Ryan admitted that he really struggles with that well, a lot I of think, people can yeah. relate to. Yeah, I, I got to give, you know, as much as I like to make fun of Ryan, because that's easy to do. I got to give him a lot of credit for, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, he's in the, the high, you know, small percentages of plus handicaps in this country. 
Um, but he talked about his weaknesses, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's never easy to do. So we really had some good conversation about, you know, where he thinks his strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, the listeners have to understand, Ryan and I played in college together for four years, and he's one of the, still one of the great ball strikers I've ever been around. Just yeah. somebody who's so consistent and really, you know, trusts his move and trusts his game. You know, so um, that was – it's incredibly impressive, and that's a lot of the reason why he's a plus one. But, I mean, look, I mean, he gets into just, in, you know, as we say, enjoy the ride. I think he's gotten into that and kind of his mental approach has really evolved into, you know, last couple of years. He's playing the best golf of his life. I mean, are we responsible you for know? that? Maybe. So – I mean, you know, obviously, you know, or, or just, you know, just as good. He's, I think we're going to be responsible when he wins the club championship next year. So. For sure. Yeah. He's <laughs> never won the club championship. We go into it. We really put him yeah. on the spot. Let's figure out why and get him there. So we um, love that. Yeah. Great episode. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. I know things are getting crazy out there. So stay well, stay healthy. If you can write, write us a review, you know, we're helping you with your game. The least you could do is give us a review. You know, maybe we need to work on some things, you know, let us know, let us know know? and hit us up on socials. Uh, We always send us a DM, send us a tweet. (laughs) Serm loves the tweets, especially if it's about making fun of my game, which is fine. I love the engagement. Easy easy to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you next Sunday and uh, take care. This is the mental game roundtable. Are you ready for this, Ry? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am prepared. Let's do this. Sounds oh. like a game show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Ryan, uh, we got. We always start this mini series off with you have to tell the listeners about your game, the state of your game, your handicap right now, what you're working on, and that could be physically and mentally. Just give people some context of your game. Yeah, uh, it's actually been a, a pretty good year. The benefit, the maybe. One of the only benefits of COVID is I actually was able to play more golf this year. Uh, currently, I'm a plus one. I've been playing pretty good golf most of the year. Uh, still a little bit streaky here and there, but as of late, it's been pretty good. Um, right now, and Cermak's going to laugh at this, but my, my same struggles uh, continue to be really inside of 100 yards. Uh, my, I, I did get a new driver this year, and it's been a game changer for me, hitting a lot of fairways and, and probably added about 10 yards. So. Uh, current state is um, trying to get out and play as much golf as I can in the St. Louis weather, but really, um, really trying to dial it in inside 100 yards. Now, we should say most people listening probably can't relate with being a plus one. But if this, if this miniseries is all about relatability, let's keep two things in mind. If you're a 15 or whatever, you could probably learn some things about what Ryan's doing well to maybe apply to your game. And two, there might be some things, Ryan, that you're struggling with that they are as well. So I wonder if we should start with 100 yards and in. You mentioned it. That's kind of been your Achilles heel um, maybe forever. What, what about that do you struggle with? And what, what have you worked on? How have you approached it? we all know confidence is king and it's one of those that I just mentioned uh, with the new driver. I have a lot of confidence off the tee. I, I feel like I can work it both ways on command inside a hundred yards. I don't quite have that same confidence and it has been my Achilles heel for a while. I think I need to get more confident with those shots. I tend to spin the ball too much. I'm a steep player as it is. And I think uh, if I have a back pin, 
I struggle hitting that uh, kind of lower shot, that one hop stop. I, I, I take more of an aggressive swing at it. Um, I was playing about a month ago. I went on a, a little trip with a couple guys um, and Daly Young, who, who both of you know very well, Matt, you know real well, excellent golfer. I mean, just, just has total control of his game. And he watched me he watched me hit some wedges and I worked with him for about an hour and really focusing um, on taking the club straight back. I was really drawing my wedges inside. And uh, I also was opening the club face, trying to hit very, very precise shots rather than, you know, kind of swing out and around with my wedges. And now that simple thought before I hit a wedge shot inside hundred yards is now out and around, out and around. Yeah. And for me, it feels like I'm taking the club outside, but I'm not. And um, it's really helped me so far, but it's something I obviously have to continue to practice. For the listeners out there, Daley Young played at Missouri State with Ryan and I. He's one of the best. He's one of the best players in Missouri State history, and a teaching pro down in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, at Pinnacle. So that's a good. That's a good lesson there, Ryan. Right now, you're not spinning as much. Now it feels like you can hit it a little lower, probably too. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I was always, you know, call it a 90 yard shot or wh whatever the yardage is. I was kind of opening the club face and impact, trying to hit this high shot, trying to flight it perfectly. Mm -hmm. But your margin for error is so small there. And again, it's a confidence thing. If I if I square that club face up and I take my normal shot, I did not have the confidence that I can flight that ball the way I wanted to. And so, now this out and around mindset is helping me. Do you think did a lot of times with wedge play, to get that controlled flighted shot, it's choke up, it's put a little back in your stance. Talk us through that. Is that, are you still doing that or are you really just, this whole new kind of thought process is helping simplify? Yeah, I mean, what you just said is spot on. And again, you have to have the confidence to be able to choke up on it and play it back in your stance. Because if you don't feel like you have that shot, man, you're out on the course and you hit a great drive right down the middle. You got 90 yards to a back pin. You're thinking birdie in your head, but the last thing you want to do is screw up that hole and make a bogey and walk off and say, man, I was 90 yards out and I'm walking away with a five. You know, so right. you got to trust that shot. So I think what I was doing is not only was I opening that club face, I was opening my stance too. And I was playing this high shot. And again, trying to, you got to be so precise on that shot. So yes, now after that out and around mindset, I'm able to square up that club face, choke up a little bit. Um, and that out and around, I was always nervous that I was going to pull hook it or, or something like that. But it, it's proven to be pretty, pretty repetitive and solid. So I didn't expect us to talk about it this quickly, but we're talking about 90 yard, 100 yard shots. So let's, let's give the listeners a little backstory here. So Ryan, and I talk about the member guest a lot on this show, especially when we talk about mental stuff. So it's fun to have you on um, to recount it. So we're partners in your member guest at Meadowbrook Country Club back in St. Louis. And a couple years ago, we made the shootout, right? We've never not made the shootout. Just should throw that out there. Two years running. Um, and we moved on after the first hole. And then we get to the second hole and it's a par five, right? And Ryan tees off. Ryan, you have never carried the right bunker on this par five. How, how far is the right bunker in the fairway on 15 at Meadowbrook, would you say? It's probably, it's probably a 310 carry. I still have not hit there uh, since that day. Okay. And this, and this is with the old driver, just so everybody yeah. understands. Yeah. <laughs> adrenaline is pumping, baby. It's pumping. Yeah, so Ryan's adrenaline is high. Ryan carry, he, we assume it's in the bunker, 
when you hit it, right? You striped yeah, it, nice yeah. draw, but we assume it's in the bunker. We go up there, it's in front of the bunker. Now this par five is over water. We had about 200 yards in. Now it's alternate shot, right? So I'm up. Now, why wouldn't we go for it with 200 yards in on a par five, but it's over water. We got a shot that hole because of me. Um, and we were like, okay, I'll lay it up for Ryan. There's no way we're making worse than a par with 100 yards in. And Ryan says to me, I'll never forget this. Ryan says, mm-hmm. don't leave me under 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Your boy was a little pumped up too, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Hitting a little baby 100-yard layup in front of water with all the pressure wasn't exactly an easy shot in the moment. So I was a little pumped up as well. I think I gave you like 92 yards or 90 yards in and it didn't follow directions yeah and we gun it and it's 90 about 90 yards and you give me this look like i fucking told you not to give me less than 100 but let's do this right talk about what happened from there we're gonna unpack it mentally and and see maybe some more breakdown between the team now Come on, guys. Yeah, you know, this is interesting. I, I was really excited to get along during this entire podcast, but I guess we're going to fight early on in the, in the interview. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, again, you, you prefaced it. Yes, plus one handicap. I played golf my entire life. How, how can somebody not hit a 90-yard shot, right? Well, I step over that shot. Again, let, let's kind of, for the, for the listeners, give them a little perspective. The green is lined with people. You know, there's a lot of people out there watching. The Wonderful. pressure is high. A lot of money on the line too. It's a it's a big event and uh, it's a blast, obviously. But yeah, ninety yards over water. Going back to and again, this is a couple years ago now. But going back to how I was playing these wedge shots, I'm opening up that club face. I'm trying to hit this precise shot. I know it's the wrong shot, but I'm not going to try something all of a sudden during a shootout. And I just hit this little. I don't even know what kind of shot you call it. Like a little block. It, it was it was not a shank, but it's like a. Like a little floater out to the right. Yeah, exactly. A little floater block. And it it carries the water by, I don't know, eight inches and just kind of plugs into the bank, still in the hazard, over the water, but still in the hazard. Mud. And I'm just, you know, you're you're just thinking, what did you just do? You got a 90-yard shot. You make five, which is a par, and you advance to the next hole, and you just hit this ugly little block out to the right. Um, But it's reality. It's what happened. I find it interesting that – what you guys were maybe talking about there. I mean, were you trying to still be aggressive, Ryan, or just said, could you convince yourself, I don't like this shot. I'm going to hit this 20 feet. This is a problem with amateur players, seven to 15 handicappers, you know, short irons oftentimes very aggressive because they have these expectations, but they end up doing things because they think they're going to make birdie every time. More often than not, they're making bogey. So just talk us through Yeah, no, I I think it it was one of those situations that clearly my head was not in the right spot because I had told Evan on that second shot, don't put me inside 100 yards. Well, you're only going to say a comment like that if you lack confidence inside that that range. Um, Today, I'm not scared of that shot. I I, I think with the pressure, the buildup, I think there was a lot of that going on in that round. Um, and just, you know, you want to win so bad, you know, you just, mm. your focus, unfortunately, you're, you're still kind of thinking about the end results of making it to the 18th hole when you got to play shot by shot. But clearly by, by saying a comment like that to Evan from the fairway, uh, yeah, I, I obviously do not have confidence in that shot. And so, yeah, in hindsight, would I have done a lot differently? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's one of those shots that haunt you, even as an amateur golfer that 
I go home and guess what? I'm going to work the next day. Life's okay. I didn't lose a million dollars. I didn't, but it, it's one of those that, that that shot still sticks with you uh, right. for a long time. And it was very frustrating. Well, let's think about mindset though, right? Like I think hearing you talk there, clearly there was more focus on the result and what could go wrong. Cause remember, I think it was last year, Ryan, you blocked it and it went in the trees and we were like, all right, let's go. I'm going to hit this out of the trees and I'm going to give you a layup. And we did. And I actually gave you less than a hundred yards again. Cause I was so amped up. I hit a nine iron, like 165 yards. Why are you so amped up? I mean, there's a lot of people there. The shootout, there's nothing better than the shootout. I don't know why Cermak doesn't get this. It's like as close to being a PJ Tour pro as you can get. <laughs> it, it also, it's not your, uh, I don't want to say it's not your typical member guest. I, I haven't played in that many, but the winners win like $10,000. I mean, it's a, it's yeah, a big sure. event. And, and it's one of those that when the shootout happens, literally every single person that played in the event, plus their significant others, a bunch of people are coming out. And it's pretty rowdy because drinks are free and everything like that. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I know pretty much everybody playing, so they're heckling us and we're having a good time, but there, there's definitely uh, a reason to be amped up. Yeah. So what would you do differently? Your mindset, not yeah, the think, shot per se, but your mindset. Yeah, I, I think I am. I, I've learned from it no different than any adversity that you go through in your entire life. You try to, you try to learn from your mistakes and, and build off it. And I think today I have more confidence than I did a couple of years ago with that shot. I think my attitude, I don't think I would have said a comment to you like that this year on the second shot. So, you know, I'm not scared of that shot, like I said, just to reiterate, but I also, I don't practice golf like I used to, you know, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I've gone up to the club just to practice. If I go there, I'm playing. And so it's still one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, I need to get stronger with my wedges. Um, I know I need to get stronger. I, I'm on a mission to get stronger. Um, but I think my attitude overall and confidence would be the game changer on having that, that um, same scenario this year. The fact, the, the fact of the matter is that was a shot you were just uncomfortable with. And it, it is just so hard in tournament golf, that is tournament golf, to hit a shot when it counts that you're uncomfortable with. For me, that shot would be, you know, um, five iron, six iron, seven iron draw you know, like into a left hole location. And, but it's like, well, you got to get up there and you, you, you like, you got to do it. And more often than not, right. I'd probably, I'd hit a block if I wasn't thinking right. So it's like, how do we just commit to hitting whatever we feel is the most aggressive, safe shot in the moment. And it's the toughest, it's one of the toughest things, especially for, for good players, team too. Right. And I think the key, Matt, is like, the, the point here is not, I'm uncomfortable with my wedges. I need to get more comfortable with my wedges. That obviously is important, right? Like if, if there's a shot where you're confident enough to tell me, don't give me that shot, clearly you know which one to work on. Mm-hmm. But I think the takeaway is what happens on the course when you get the shot that you're uncomfortable hitting. And I think it comes down to... It was controlling the negativity. It's controlling, controlling what you can control, It's right? controlling the memories. I mean, because yeah. you're having... Like we were talking with Ward Jarvis, uh, Brendan Todd's mental coach, right? It's like you've got... Memories are going to come and the bad memories of your white shots. How do you can, you know, keep that, you know? Yeah. So it's about like, what can I control? And how do I limit the variables, right? And so what can you do whether it's focusing on your tempo, right? Keeping your body quiet, maybe taking a shorter swing, 
picking a spot on the, the green that the fattest part, right? Picking a club that even if you miss it is still on the green. Like that's the type of stuff I think that maybe our listeners can think about if you get to the point where you're on the course with a really uncomfortable shot. Well, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. And, and you, you brought, you talked about Brendan Todd. I mean, there's a lot of guys and unfortunately you don't see it a ton on PGA tour coverage, but week to week, there's a lot of guys out there that are really struggling. They're just not showing them on air, but there's guys, even on the tour, every single golfer out there uh, is going to have some confidence issues at some point. And, you know, no, I was playing in an event, earlier this summer and it was an alternate shot and my partner he told me he hates bonker shots well fact of the matter is there was one time i put him in the bonker and what do you think he did he, he blades it across the green and he didn't have the confidence no different than i you know than same perspective uh, of me standing over that shot so again it, yeah. i think confidence is number one you got to be comfortable with the shot you, you got to practice it to have that confidence but um so much of this game is what we draw up in our heads. And if we can harness that negative energy and get it out of there and, and think a little bit differently, I think typically the outcome will be there. Well, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good segue, I think, because you play a lot of country club golf, a lot of money games, some tournaments. I would imagine you play with a lot of guys that are seven, eight handicaps or seven to 15 handicaps, that, whether it's a team event or things like that. And I'm curious to get your opinion. And you know, what you look at a seven or eight handicap and why they're not a three or four. And, you know, look, we're all adults. We can't practice six hours a day, but what, what do you think is holding some of those players back? Um, well, I feel it. I feel, maybe we can pick on Evan in a minute here, but <laughs> what, I I, what, I, what I see, Ryan, is I see seven handicaps, good players, obviously single digits too often too they're too aggressive with their irons. They too, too often they miss it long or left or right, that short. And then something you just hit on, poor bunker players and, and pitchers. Like no creativity um, pitching and bunker. They can chip. but So want to get your thoughts. I do play with a lot, of, a lot of players right in that range. So I can relate very well to what you're talking about. And to me, uh, the, there's several factors. I think the main factor is working, them, working their way around the golf course. And mm-hmm. So often, like you just said, they, they, they're playing aggressive. Let's say it's a back left hole, hole location. These guys, some of them don't have any business going right at that stick. Um, and if they throw it long, if they hit a great shot, I hear it all the time, oh, I flagged it and it went over the green and I'm walking away with a double bogey. Yeah, that's because <laughs> you played very aggressive when, when you didn't need to play that aggressive. And, or it's a par five and they're trying to go for it in two and they hit in the front bunker. And like you just said, they can't get out of the bunker. Well. Why did you put yourself in the bunker? Put, put yourself 100 yards out then. So I think it's maneuvering their way around the golf course that they kind of lack that next shot. Um, they, they don't, they're, they're not anticipating what's coming next. And uh, again, we, we all, we've hit those shots before. So we always feel like we're capable of hitting it every time. The fact of the matter is you can't go after every pin. And I think right. if you can, uh, if you can kind of understand and, and really think through the shot that you have at that given moment, and think about really, okay, yeah, here's what I'm trying to do. But again, if I, if I, if I have a slight mess, here's where I want to leave it. And I think if they mm-hmm. can think that way a little bit more, I think next time they're going to just make the game a lot easier for themselves and reduce those, those uh, kind of dumb mistakes. I mean, Ev, jump in here, but it's finding those three or four shots, right? Yeah. You know. So for me, I found as a seven handicap, um, it's really easy to get swept up in 
what you're trying to do technically with the swing or the motion, which then takes you out of what am I trying to accomplish, right? So that's how it's easy to hit a shot long where there's, it's dead long because you're thinking about, okay, I, I want to feel like I'm doing this. I want to get my hands a little bit straighter back like Ryan was thinking on, on the wedges. And suddenly I made a mistake because I hit it too hard and I put it in the one spot you can't versus the mindset of, all right, what's my lie? Sir Max is going to love this. What's my lie? And what, am I, what, what do I need to leave myself? Where is the ideal spot? What am I going for and where can I miss it? That helps me pick my club. That helps me pick my angle. That helps me pick the part of the fairway or the part of the green that we want to target, which I think is you know really important. I mean, Ryan hit on it. Two of your good friends, Ryan, one's on the PJ Tour, the other has played on the PJ Tour and Corn Ferry now, um, Chris Nagel and Adam Long. The whole theme of Chris Nagel's podcast was playing aggressively conservative, which means pick the fattest part of the fairways, pick the fattest part of the greens, but go at it. So hit those more, quote, conservative shots with, you know, it's, some... It's conservative lines with aggressive swings. Right, exactly. Conservative lines with aggressive swings. And Adam Long on the PGA Tour, who beat Phil Mickelson on the 18th hole, talked about how he rarely feels good on the course, right? It's almost like a mindset of not expecting to feel like your swing's perfect, but being okay with that and grinding through it and playing with what you got. Right. And so I don't know. I think all of that stuff's really interesting um, because I've played with you guys many times and I feel like it's easy to put the scratch player on a pedestal. Whereas the seven and the scratch don't hit the ball that differently. That's why I'm so intrigued by right. this stuff it's because it's so subtle. The things you guys do better, you don't have the doubles as often as the seven, you don't make the bogey from the fairway 90 yards out as often. You might do it every now and then, but it's very rare, right? So maybe talk about that is, you know, those subtleties. And to hit on Adam Long for a minute, man, yesterday, another third place finish. Uh, had a yeah. chance to win another PGA event. I mean, half a million dollars yep. in the bank account. That guy is just playing. You played with him for years. He's on a roll. Oh, uh, years. And, and man, it would be pretty cool to see him as a Ryder Cupper one day. And I'm telling you, he's putting himself up the running if he continues these uh, trends. But yeah, yeah, I, I think kind of going back to uh, the bunker play, if you, it, it, as, a, as an amateur golfer, if you're not practicing bunker shots a whole lot and you don't have confidence out of there, then, then you, you obviously are trying to avoid those shots. But I was playing this past weekend and it, as you just said, the scratch golfer, myself and the seven handicap or eight handicap that I was playing with, we don't hit it much different. In fact, he probably hits it longer than I do. Um, there's some strengths he has that I don't, but you put him around the greens and he, he's a mental midget. You know, he, right. he takes three to get out of a bunker um, where I, I like bunker shots. I, I feel like you put me in a bunker and I'm going to get it up and down. Um, but if he could put himself in a position where don't, don't, you know, avoid the bunker or play five yards right of the target here, you know, then it's going to get a lot easier for him. And, until he practices that bunker shot or until he has that confidence going back to the 70 yard shot, you know, well, that's the, if but, you have but, confidence, it's a game. Changer. You got, but you got to practice the bunker because even if you, you know, there's times when you have the right plan in the fairway and you just don't execute it and you hit it in the bunker, but sure. it's, you're so right, right? Because I play with guys the same way. Like I think so many people don't even understand the fundamentals of bunker. 
like if you you took a certain a seven handicap and said what how should how should what should i do with my face what should i do with my stance what should i do with my handle i don't think they could talk you through it right so go your the next lesson should be with your pro in the bunker for an hour and understand like you know i see amateurs too often have the handle out in front of the ball that's just a recipe for chunking it like that handle needs to be back it needs to be low you know and just things like that right so another big factor like for me when matt when we were playing back in college um you, you don't recognize it at the time but i had some maturity issues there's things that i would do totally different now as an adult uh if i was back in college and for me ball striking has been a strength of mine and when we were 100%. out practicing where are you going to find me you're finding me on the driving range crushing balls and, and working on you know shaping the ball well I should be on the short game facility. You know, mm -hmm. I, I should be practicing my weaknesses. The toughest part though, and this applies to golf, it applies to business, it applies to everyday life, is it's hard to focus on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You have to be very disciplined if you want to get better. And if you want to get better, you got to make an investment in your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And to, to another point though, I was on the mm -hmm. green with a guy the other day. He had a birdie putt. The putt is clearly right to left and slippery. I mean, it is very, very fast. And he just crushes it about 15, maybe 20 feet by the hole. And he's like, whoa, this green's way faster than the others. That's like, no, the green's not faster than the others. You had a straight downhill putt, a bender, and he just didn't recognize it. And I think that's another thing is when you're, when you're standing over these shots, whether it's a bunker shot or on the green, understand and have that focus of what this shot requires. And he clearly didn't see the downhill in this putt and he just crushed it. And next thing you know, he walks off with a bogey when he thought he had a good look at birdie. So little things like that, I think, you know, one or two shots here and there, all of a sudden are, are the difference in reducing your handicap. Well, I think that's, you know, you're talking about college. I mean, I wanted to ask you about practice because you're right. We don't focus enough on our weaknesses, but I will say for me, where I got it wrong in college is actually I wasn't as good as a ball striker as you. I had a better, you know, good short game, but very erratic ball striker. And I was constantly working on my swing on the, my, you know, on my, the technical side. And I got too caught up in it, trying to change my swing, trying to change my backswing, too much, just working with video. So I was working on my weaknesses, but, in the, but not in the right way as I look back. Um, I, one thing I felt, Ryan, what I've learned now when I look back in college, I, I don't think I spent enough time working on my alignment, my grip, my stance, and my posture from a full swing perspective when we would be practicing. It was too often on, you know, what's my takeaway doing? You know, what's my transition doing? What's my backswing doing? And what I have found, because we don't get to practice as much now, but that's what I practice on when I do practice. I focus on so much more. And I think, I think amateurs should, should take away from that, right? We were playing at the Division One level, but – we both were practicing the wrong things. Blame our coach, but you got to just blame ourselves. Talk. What do you think? Well, I think think about this. There's going to be a lot of people out here, and this is. I, I think everybody's going to be able to relate to this. Uh, how many times have you played with somebody where it's a they don't hit driver all day because they have no confidence with the driver? They're hitting three iron off the tee all day long. I've, I've been there. Well, yeah, you've been yeah, there. Ryan, Ryan made me put my driver away <laughs> in the member guest. I hit three wood all week, and we've all been. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, you have you have the advantage to buy a driver. That's the beauty of golf is they have different clubs for different shots, and so you got to get creative. You got to get good at hitting those clubs, but you have to be disciplined to practice those shots. And so, if you're the guy yes. that sees three iron everywhere, 
well, okay, you'll get it around, but that's not that fun. Like hit the driver because you, you got a driver, but you got to get confidence with the driver. So you have to intentionally go practice. You have to, you have to try different things um, and you have to be willing to work on your weaknesses. The problem is that I have, that, that all amateur golfers have, is a lot of times when you make tweaks, you're going to get worse before you get better. Correct. And a lot of us don't want to sacrifice that short-term struggle for that long-term gain. But think about how that sounds. Oh, man, if, if you're telling me I can go from a plus one to a plus three or plus four by trying these two or three things with my wedges, guess what? I'm going to find time to do it. I, I, I will. Um, and I'm on a mission to do it, where in years past, I just haven't because I want to play every chance I get. But now I'm trying to, you know, I still play competitively a little bit. You know, I, I want to, I want to improve my game. My brother's going to kill me for saying this, but he's a classic example. He's six foot three, six foot two, and he, he doesn't hit his driver nearly as far as he should. We need to get him to stop being arms and we need to get that hip rotation going. He can add instant yardage right away. The problem is, is he's going to start hitting some hooks. He's going to have some right. blocks. He's going to have some negative stuff that's going to come his way before that repetition is a stripe show down the middle. He has to be willing to get a little bit worse before he gets better. But should he, if he doesn't have the time to do that, like some people might, should he be just spent, but when he does have time, all his time should be in a hundred yards in, right? Where's he going to find three? It's this push in the pool of adult life, right? And playing golf. But like, is that, it, that it is, you know, but, but but like my fault right now is if it's a nice day in St. Louis, all I want to do is go play. Sure. And one day, instead of playing, maybe let's spend some time on that short game area, you know, and, and make an investment in your game. You know, I look at it where I, I am fortunate to play at a country club. But with that being said, I spend a lot of money to play there. Um, if I'm not having fun playing the game, then I'm not getting my money's worth, right? Mm -hmm. And so now any chance I get, yeah, I still want to be competitive. I still have uh, – you know, expectations and things like that. But if I really want to get better or if I wanted to start playing tournament golf, my game's not ready for tournament golf. There's things I need to do to put myself in position. So it's just sacrifices. So maybe one day I don't play and I spend that day practicing. Yeah, one thing right. too that a lot of people get wrong, myself included, is not just the practicing versus not practicing. It's practicing the wrong way, practicing the wrong stuff. Totally. Like when I did the short game work with Cermak before our member guests, like I've been doing it wrong for 14 years. Right. And he opened my eyes to things. So like, and I don't know if this is Cermak to answer or Ryan, I'll kick it to you first, but has there been things that you've done when you have practiced um, or that you would practice that you think is helpful to the seven to the 15 handicap? in to practice the right way because going to the chipping range and chipping like shit and do the same shot over and over and think you know how to chip doesn't translate to the golf course when there's consequences and you get a different lie every time so like how should someone practice well, well first of all when you came into the member desk after working a few days with Cermak, you were dialed in with your wedges. I mean, what did I tell you when I would, when, when we had a short game, what would I say right before I hit the shot? Do you remember? Cermak? I don't yeah. know. What, what? Short game, Cermak. Heard of it? Yeah. yeah. So no, I, and, and again, it goes back to confidence. You just practiced it. You feel, you, you felt confident, but how many times have you guys heard this next statement? Oh, I hit it so good on the range today. How come I can't carry it over to the course? 
Right. Because you, you get on the range and you got this hundred yard wide fairway and you got no intentions. You're, you're, you're just smoking balls to smoke balls. And yeah, if you, if you, you're always going to technically hit it good if you don't have a very uh, specific target or things that you're working on. So if I go to the range, which again, we're probably talking to the wrong person because I don't practice enough, but like uh, Matt, you, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. You have your alignment sticks. Sometimes we get out of, out, out of alignment and it's hard for us to realize it because everything feels good in our swing. But if you're on the range and, and you're missing it one way or another, throw it on those alignment sticks to see yep. where are you aiming. And a lot of times you surprise yourself. You're like, holy smokes, I thought I was lined up right at that green flag. And you, you, you take a step back and you're 15 yards left of it. And it's so, so easy to get away with bad alignment on the range because of the no thoughts yeah. or expectations. And then when you get to the course, you got a huge problem. You know, one thing that Meadowbrook installed that's a, that's awesome. Um, I'm the kind of guy I get to the I get to the course probably 25, 30 minutes before my round, get loose, hit some shots, and then go out there. But now they put a couple of these little buckets out there that are called you know 40 yards away and 80 yards away. That is really fun for me because again, it's a weakness. But now I have a very very specific small target that I'm aiming at. That aim small, miss small mentality. And my goal with those wedges is to hit, you know, 10 in a row within a, you know, 15 feet radius of that, of that target. And uh, I think that's, I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is when you get to the range, have a very specific plan of attack of where you're, where you're trying to hit that shot. It'll correlate a lot better to the course when you do it that way. But one other thing I wanted to, I think, I think pre-round habits are so important. Right. So let's talk about the putting green. One thing that I, I was given advice by a caddy the Western junior, my junior year up in Michigan, he was a member of the club and he wanted to caddy and I got him. He was crazy. It was Buddy Lou. And I was hitting putts before the round. He was a member of the club and he volunteered to caddy. Incredible. I was hitting putts before the round. He saw me hitting like eight and 10 and 12 footers. You know, I'm hitting putts. I'm missing them. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm just warming up. He goes, why you, you shouldn't, he, he goes, you shouldn't be missing putts. You shouldn't have the feeling of missing consecutive putts before a round. So he goes, here's what you're going to do. You're going to work on lag, put 15 feet and over, and you're going to do two, two and three footers. And you're going to make five in a row before we go out. Feeling the bottom of the cup, two footer, very short. And that was huge for me. And I take that every day. I take this, you know, ever since, you know, hmm. just like don't, because that 10 footer, you hope to make it, you miss it, you made a good stroke. So is there, you know, with somebody who's, you've worked on your putting a lot, you know, it's, you probably would admit that it's been inconsistent at times, but you've had some good runs too. Talk about maybe what you work on with your putting just to take to the course. I love that. I love that uh, mentality right there. I mean, yeah, I, no doubt. It's fun to hear the sound of the hole. It's fun. It's fun to see the ball go in. So having that visual right before you're going out to play is I think very necessary. I'm also yeah. the kind of guy when I get out on the putting green before I go out, I bring two golf balls with me, uh, not four or five and not one. I bring two. And I try, I try to have like a little internal competition with myself. I, I do practice a lot of lag putting and I yeah. do practice the short putt before I go out. I don't spend a ton of time on the 10 to 15 footers pre-round. Um, I love that mentality you just said, but yeah. yeah, as a guy that's had some putting issues in the past, before I'm going out, my number one goal of the lag putts is I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the speed of the greens down before I go out. I'm yes. trying to really work on my pace. I don't care so much if my direction's off on those lag putts. I'm really working on that pace. 
And then my goal is of those lag putts uh, with the two balls that I have, I try to make sure I minimum two putt each of those. So if I leave that first one four feet away, I'm going to go knock that four footer in or two feet away. I'm going to knock that two footer in. Even if it's like a foot away, I'm knocking those in. What a lot yeah. of amateur golfers don't realize is if you're, especially Evan, member guest format, things like that, where you got to make, you got to hole every putt. It's amazing watching somebody stand over a two footer when they're right. not used to putting those. Right. And so on the putting, you know, I try to just get in a rhythm of, oh, this is an easy little two footer. Boom, back of the cup. Boom, back of the cup. And uh, I think those things, but, but to your point, man, those, those are definitely, that was great advice. And I'm, I'm definitely going to use that. Well, the takeaway there for me, Ryan, <clears throat> is get comfortable with shots you know you're going to have on the course, right? Yeah. So it's not, we had Brett McCabe, sports psychologist for um, plenty of PJ Tour pros, and he said, people even get in trouble thinking, well, I'm going to hit these two clubs last on the range because these are the two clubs I'm going to have on the course for the first hole, right? And then the tees got moved up, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm not hitting three wood here. I'm hitting hybrid. And oh shit, I'm hitting a six iron instead of an eight iron, right? Which can actually get you into trouble. So practicing before a round with the intention of just trying to get comfortable with some shots you may have versus all of the put, putting the pressure on it, right? Of, oh, if I don't get this, I'm going to do this. If I don't do it right now, I'm not going to do it right on the course. It, it's, it's more of just like, getting comfortable and knowing that neither rely on each other, right? You don't have to hit it well on the range to hit it well on the course. You don't have to hit it. You don't have to make putts on the putting green to make them on the course either, but at least you're starting to envision and get comfortable with what you may have out there. It's a totally different feeling, right? Even though it's so subtle, it's, it's a pressure packed versus a comfort level. Right. We all play this game because we have a passion for golf. We love it. We love to compete. There, there's just so much about the game that draws us to it. But Cermak is probably the best I've ever seen at what I'm about to say, where sometimes when you get out on the course, you just don't have it or you're not carrying it over from the driving range. Things happen. And it comes down to even though we're playing amateur golf, even though we're just out there for fun, it comes down to focus and intention. And Matt was one of those guys. I watched it all the time in college where. If he, if he was having a bad ball striking day, he went to his strengths. He focused. Every single shot had a purpose. He knew what he was trying to do, even though he didn't feel comfortable with a draw that day or a fade that day or a high shot or a low shot. It doesn't matter. He went to what he can to navigate around the golf course. And it comes down to it, it, it's really focus and uh, and your ability to compete. I mean, your competitiveness comes out. But if you're if you're lacking focus before a shot, and you're struggling with your swing that day, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long run. Well, I appreciate the compliment, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> too often I was battling ball striking issues and we talked, it was really a lot of it was mental. I would never trust. I never, I always thought I could be better. And sometimes, you know, you make it hard on yourself, but, but I guess to talk about myself for a second was like, look, every day, every shot's going to give you something and there's a million ways to play the shot. Right. And, just because you know hit you know hit a low draw in there to run something up when you're supposed to hit somebody says you're supposed to hit it high doesn't matter right it's what you have that day what you feel and then you got to cut you know so you have options even when you it doesn't feel right you can find different options right that don't that don't really exist it's, it's the approach to every shot knowing that just because you don't feel good you have a lot of options ryan i've got a few things i, I want to hit on we've talked recently about 
you've been reading more books lately on the power of the mind mindset. You told me that you used to believe uh, this is actually going to be the next book I read. It's, what's it called? It takes what it takes. Yep, it takes what it takes. Thank you, Matt Applegate. So you oh, told me, Ryan, love you used to believe that there was either positive or negative, and you always found yourself a positive person. But your opinion on that has evolved, and you've realized that there's a deeper level than just being positive or negative. I want you to talk about that. This is from the author. is um, He's a sports psychologist for Russell Wilson, correct? Yep, Russell Wilson and Nick Saban and, and a bunch of highly reputable people. Um, and yeah, seriously, shout out to Matt Applegate because this is uh, this book truly changed my life in so many facets of my life. Um, it it applies on the golf course. It applies in business. It applies to literally anything that you're doing, any situation that comes that comes your way. And it's the whole book is about neutral thinking. And I've never even before this book, I never even, I didn't even know that was a term. I never even thought like that. I, I just, I'm one of those guys that I've tried to be positive rather than negative. Uh, what's the, what's the thing? I, I'd rather be an optimist that is sometimes wrong than a pessimist that is always right. Um, I was always, you know, or more on that optim, optimism side. And fact of the matter is there's sometimes that a negative situation comes your way. And instead of necessarily trying to spin that into a positive, Let's just take it for what it is. Let's stay in the neutral mindset. Okay, I just shanked the shot. I literally shanked it. Okay, well, guess what? Most people are thinking about on that next shot. Don't shank it. Don't shank it. You know, instead is, hey, it is what it is. This is where I am. No different than John Rahm a few weeks ago shanked one and almost won the tournament. Maybe he did win it. I don't remember. But you take the situation that comes your way and you think about it neutrally, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, you stay in that neutral mindset. And Evan, you, you've both of you, you, you kind of joked with me over the years about maybe attitude on the golf course. I've never been the guy that throws clubs. I've never been the guy that cusses up a storm, but what I have done and what I work on is if I three putt, which is a kind of a normal occurrence for me uh, and I'm walking to the next tee, I allow myself that time between the green and the next tee to beat myself up in my head because I think that's okay. I think it was unacceptable what I just did back there. I'm upset about it. Um, I just made a bogey and I'm giving myself that 30 or 45 seconds to get upset with myself. But once I'm on that tee, hey, new ball game. It's a new mindset. It's in the past. And that's, it's really helped me from not going on tilt or having a bad run of events of bogey, 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 things like that don't happen nearly as much as they used to. Bottom line is taking, taking the situation that comes your way and dealing with it. It is what it is. Here's how we're going to get through it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Ryan, what you're kind of saying, what I'm taking from that is I don't think you're identifying with the situation as much, right? If a situation happens, it's not you that failed per se. It's not a failure. It's not a, you can't believe you did that. It's more of just like, it happened. Like you're, it, it's a reality. There's nothing you can do to change that. So beating yourself down for more than the walk from the green to the tee isn't helpful. Right. And not identifying with that. I struggled with this a lot, Brian. I, I mean, I've talked about this many times on the show that when we would play together, it was hard for me to play well because I was so excited to show you how much better I've got, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with this. And 
we would play in these events. And I remember feeling so anxious to make a big number. And ironically, that would always lead to big numbers. When I finally let go of it, and I was like, you know what? This is pretty awesome. I'm playing with my best friends. We're playing at his club. There's a lot of money on the line. We both love competition. A beautiful course. I started playing free, and I started hitting the ball really good, right? Because I wasn't identifying with the misses as much as I was before. And that's kind of what you're saying is it's, it's not as much about getting up or getting down. It's about letting everything happen exactly how it was supposed to and know that everyone else around you, especially in a competitive event, we talked about this all week on our last member guest, like everyone else doesn't have the training, mental training we do. So they're going to get down. They're going to identify with their bad shots. They're going to think about the money on the line. I'm going to let that bad shot roll off my shoulders and I'm going to go play, right? That's a huge difference. Think, think about that John Rom shot, though. From, from, I think it was like a month ago. He literally full out shank. Um, he does that a lot. A yeah, yeah, it's not the first time, right? And to see a professional do that as a, a viewer and a lover of the sport, you're like, what? How, how can he possibly do that? Now, if you're like any of us or, or you know, seven handicap, 10 handicap, 20 handicap, your reaction probably over the next shot that you have a wedge in your hand, or maybe it's any iron is, don't shake it. Don't shake it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, John Rahm wasn't thinking about that, right. right? The result was there. It is what it is. It's in the past. He can't do anything about it. But what he can do is control his attitude moving forward. And I think he still has some work to do with his emotions on the course. But the guy still is a, he's a freaking stud, and he doesn't let that one bad shot dictate his future shots. And it's just dealing in the moment with, with what comes your way. Right. One thing I always loved about your game was your fast routine. Um, you kind of just see it, feel it, do it. I'm not gonna think too much about it, and I think one, I think that's really important. But when you when when you were playing bad or aren't are playing bad, you think it was because you were getting too mentally down on yourself. I mean, is that really what it is? Because I never took care of somebody who who started thinking mechanically out there, and that's a really good thing. Um, it was just a, just yeah. a matter of just getting like. I'm better than this. I don't know why I'm playing like this. I'm like almost ashamed of myself. Is that, is that, is that fair? Yeah. Which I correlate to immaturity. Really. I I think it's, it's kind of growing up on the golf course. Like I said, I I, I don't throw clubs out there. I don't, I'm not going to necessarily show you, you're not going to get off the course and be like, God, that guy's a maniac out there. But a lot of it was in my head where, yes, I would get very upset with myself. I know I'm capable of much more but I'm not performing and it's just going down a bad, bad path where I think now um, I kind of remind myself and I, I still play very quickly is when I'm over the ball, I don't think much. I, I pick out my target. I, I have my spe- specific focuses and I pull the trigger. I know I can hit that shot. I've hit that shot before and I can do it again. And I think it, it, if you kind of have that mindset that, and, and that's what draws us in as golfers is you may have a horrible day, but you hit a couple good shots and it keeps you coming back that next round. Well, same thing for, for myself still is I know I can hit that shot. I believe I can hit that shot and I'm going to try to hit that shot. And well, when I stand I hit, over, I hit it. it. To sum it up. I mean, the reason why you're playing as good at golf as you've played in a long time is you, you still got your really good, simple kind of fast routine, right? Where you're not thinking a lot. And then if you do hit a bad shot, you're just not as attached to it the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for the listeners totally. out there, copy Ryan, you, you, 
see the target, feel it, and just do it. That's it, right? And then what happens, happens. How many times do we have a, a bad streak where you make a couple bogeys in a row, or maybe you make a double and then a bogey on the next hole, and then you start thinking about your score and how much it, it, it hurts you? It's no different than poker when you hear the term going on tilt. Don't allow yourself on the golf course to go on tilt. If you make a bogey, it's okay. You don't necessarily need to make it up on the next hole with a birdie, but let's get a par on the next hole. Let's just take right. each hole for what it is. Um, and I think when you can do that, you avoid, you avoid the, the negative occurrences back to back to back. And Ryan, I mean, maybe this is the case too. I mean, think about it. Years ago, your whole life has been defined by being a golfer. Your identity has basically been the golfer, right? One of the best players and best amateurs in Missouri growing up and played in college and you were always at the top, you know, of the group you're playing with. I th- has, has that changed a little bit now? I mean, you're about to have a baby, right, this month? Whew um maybe you, right now. you've got a great career go. and has that changed at all like do you do you identify less it seems to me that your identity is evolving where you don't tie your results as much to to who you are you, you know like i like i said earlier i i am fortunate to play at a club that i love uh the people out there the camaraderie i enjoy every round of golf that i have out there and if I put too much pressure on myself or have a bad run and let it take me down a negative path, I'm not going to enjoy the game as much. And I think now I'm just truly embracing anytime I have an opportunity to go play. I'm the guy that plays probably on average once a week, and uh, which I still think is a fair amount of golf, but it's not every day like I used to play. So when I'm out on the golf course, I want to enjoy my time out there. I certainly have expectations, but you're right. I'm not as attached the results as I once was. But I think naturally, like Matt said, it's allowed me to play at a pretty competitive level right now. You know, I've, I, I, I've had a, a nice little streak going where I've been shooting, you know, under par quite a bit. And, and it's fun to do that, obviously, but I could go out there tomorrow and, and, and shoot five, six over and it is what it is. And my goal for the next round is just to have fun and get it back because I know I can do it. Right. Yeah. It's, you're not going to dwell on the mechanical mistakes or I don't hit it far enough. It's, you know what, look, I picked the wrong club. Uh, I was, you know, I was, maybe I was a little mad from the last shot. Just little things, right? And that can be, you know, just getting your mind right, right? And just thinking about, well, we're, it was just mental that it, those shooting four over compared to even. But it's two swings, maybe two putts. Not even. Maybe it's one and, swing, and, and right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the that common theme of what we've been talking about is, is intention and focus and discipline, but it sounds so simple, it's hard to do in the moment. But it, for everybody that's listening, I, I would encourage you to, to really take each shot for what it's worth. And I think naturally, you're going to just start getting better. It sounds simple, it's not, but if you make it a priority and you make it a focus on your next couple of rounds, I think next thing you know, you're going you're gonna to shave off a couple strokes. Yep. So I want to hit on two last things before we go. Um, you've never won the club championship at the at Meadowbrook Country Club. Um, and we're going to get there. Let, you know, we've talked about it. You're not as comfortable in match play versus stroke play. Um, I also eventually, I, I want to finish with what you've learned from playing with Nagel. Um, since we've had him on the show, I'm sure you've learned a lot from him too, but let's start with the club championship because I want to unpack this because I want us to, to figure out how can we set Ryan up to win the club championship after this conversation? Let's figure out what it is. Let's do it. Why do you think 
you haven't had as much success in Max play. <laughs> Sir Max laughing. Why not, Sir? Let's figure it out. Just funny how you. Let's uh, uh, let's, uh, let's let's start this with is the, the, This is gonna be the launching point. <laughs> Yeah, that's a a dig. I I will tell you the club championship winning it, it it means a lot to me. Like, I want to win it, I think, too bad, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I will tell you, uh, and I'm going to start with the excuse first, is our club has a lot of very, very talented golf. Um, I think think we have 15 players. Well, uh, just just laying this uh, scenario out (laughs) yours, but I do think we have 15 players that are zero or better. Which is which is awesome, and that 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 kind of talks about yeah. the integrity of the club. It's a lot of fun, and you always have great matches. But it's very competitive, is my point. Um, the way you do it at our club is you have an 18-hole qualifier, stroke play, all tipped out from the blacks, um, tough conditions, and you got to be in the low eight in your flight in the championship flight to make match play. And then you have a scratch match play bracket from there. Everything scratch. Um, I've been very close. I've I've lost in the finals numerous times. I've lost in the semifinals and. Uh, I haven't pulled through, but I think finally I identified a big, a big issue. And, and it is, it comes down to match play. I, I am the guy, and I think both of you will relate. I play pretty free out on the golf course. I, I, I feel confident in my approach shots that I can hit balls close and I make a decent amount of birdies in a round. When I get in that match play format, and I think because I'm playing against just one other individual, I play tentative. I play to make pars. I'm staring at a 15-footer, and I'm not playing super aggressive with that putt trying to make it. I'm trying to get out of there with a par. And that's a horrible mindset. It, I can make hardest, birdies. So I I, yeah, let me stop you for just for one second. Do you feel like you find yourself reacting to the player? Because it's so Always. easy. It's so Because match play is all about 18 matches, right? One And, oh, he, he, he pulls it into the trees? I just need to just get something out there. Wrong attitude. you yeah. got to talk us through that. Yeah, well, and, and you're totally spot on. That is my flaw. And I, I, after all these years, I finally have admitted it or identified it. And I need to play my game. Um, I'm capable of making birdies. So if I'm standing over a 15-footer trying to escape with a par, that's not the right attitude. If my opponent pulls it in the trees, like you said, okay, I'm not taking a three iron out. I'm going to play my game. I'm going to bust driver up there. And I'm going to hit a fairway because that's I know I can do it. Um, but too often I'm playing against my opponent. Um, and I'm, I'm very reactionary when I need to play my game knowing that I can make birdies even in match play. But I will tell you my results have not been good in match play, and it's because of that. I make far fewer birdies when I'm playing in match play than I do in stroke play. And I think that's a telling sign of what my demeanor and my attitude is and how I'm thinking through it during that round versus a normal stroke play round. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had – you know, we talked, I mentioned him before, Brett McCabe. One other thing he said about his players in the PJ Tour is his players, when they would get in contention, some of them would start flighting irons. And he said, yep. what are you doing? You got to this point going after it. You're like, I forget who, who it was. Patton Gazire, I think, was one guy who just mashes the ball, right? And he started to get in contention. He started to flight it, play tentative. And he's like, no, you need to hit, swing harder right? Go after it. And so I guess the lesson, because maybe not everybody's playing in matches and match play out there, but I think the lesson is you will lose a match. Julia Potter said it a couple weeks ago. She lost the match in the U.S. Mid-Am when she was one under and she's won matches three over. So it's just, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's match or stroke. 
you play, you're playing against the course and you're playing every shot with what the shot gives you. You, you play the shot to your best of your ability of what gives you the best chance, the best angle, the best club selection, how hard you swing at it versus half, whatever it is, you do that to the best of your ability and you let the rest fall as it may. And you keep doing that over and over again, unrelentingly. And I bet you, you'll win more matches that way. I would say right now, my, my record in match play is flat out embarrassing. Um, it's just not where it needs to be. Um, I think a lot of, I, 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 a lot of the matches that I have are very, very good matches that go down to either 17, 18 or extra holes. But very rarely do I, do I smoke somebody five and three, it's maybe happened before, but very rare. And very rarely do I get beat that way as well. And part of the issue is, again, not playing my normal game when I'm out there. I'm trying things that I don't normally do. I'm, I'm too focused on my opponent than I am on the golf course. Because when you're playing stroke play, you're playing the field. You know, you, you got a whole bunch of golfers. So you're not focused on one individual. And in match play, that has been my mindset which has caused for, you know, a lot of very close, tight matches. And there's been some opponents that I flat out just got beat, you know. And then there's other opponents that I should have waxed them. They had no business, I, I, you know, just from a cocky statement right now, I should have smoked that person, and, and I didn't. I let them off the hook. Or we went down to 18 when I should have beat them on 14. Whatever the case is, but I think a lot of it is um, how I was playing that golf round. And my goal for next year is just to flat out play it differently and to try this new approach. But, but, but I think, Raph, is it as simple as for the listeners, like you just need to stick to your plan better, right? You've played Meadowbrook a million yeah. times. You know what clubs fit you to hit on every shot, on every hole. That's what you just got to do better. Right? You've maybe played Meadowbrook more than anyone at because, that club. Right. So yeah, stick, it's stick about to your, sticking to stick the game your, plan. Because your plans aren't, you have a plan. Yes. Right. Maybe that's your slogan. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. But, but, but like you just said, Pat and Gazire, you know, they start, he starts doing things that didn't get him there in the first place. You know, I've been, I've been one of the better seeds because I had a good stroke play event. Well, okay, right. great. So I'm playing against somebody that probably is not at my level. I let's freaking play aggressive. Let's wax this individual. And instead we're going deep into the round because I'm just not, I, I'm, I'm playing too conservatively or I'm not, you know, I'm not making birdies like I normally do. And I think, yes, bottom line is uh, stick to your game plan, match play, stroke play. I think sometimes we, we look at them as they're so different, but in the end, totally. it's, it's you, of course, playing your game plan. And if, if you can do that, I think you're going to execute more times than not. I don't have the experience of winning a whole lot in match play, but I'm telling you, I think you're it's, close. I think we're turning a corner. It takes what the it last- takes. Totally. I think the last point to remember on this point too is uh, you got to you got to think about who you are and what makes you play your best. Because not everybody plays their best being really calm out there. Some people like to get amped up, right? Some people it's kind of a blend. Like I found that when I'm like kind of joking around a little bit, yet I'm really calm and focused above the ball, and I really don't have a lot of attachment to what happens but I've got a little bit of swagger and confidence out there. I play my best, you know, and I kind of like talking a little shit and, and having fun. I think that's important too. Um, Cause it's really easy when the pressure's on to try and be something you hear about, whether it's really calm or, or whatever, you got to find out what's good for you. Michael Jordan said when people asked him, you know, two minutes left in the game, tight game's tied. What do you, what do you think about the timeout? Because I just think about chewing my gum. 
right? So in between the shots is you got to keep your mind just simple and free, right? So, yeah. I mean, look at how Tiger chewed his gum two Masters ago. I mean, the guy was just chewing that gum. And he won the Masters. Maybe that's the secret. All right, last question, and then we'll get you out of here, Ryan. We've had Chris Nagel on the podcast. Um, he plays on the Corn Ferry, has played in the U.S. Open and, and on the PGA Tour as well. And he, you've told me many times um, he's the best player you've ever played with. Uh, I think he's like, what, a plus seven, plus eight, or whatever he is. Plus eight. Plus eight. Um, what is the difference – between him and you, plus one versus plus eight. And what have you learned? Because you've played a lot of golf with him. Um, you guys have played a lot of money games. We talked about it with Chris. Uh, what have you learned with him? Because, you know, you guys are like the next level below me. Chris is another level below you guys. So what have you learned from playing with Chris? Yeah, I think that's an awesome question. And, and, and Chris is one of those guys that I'm telling you, if, and it's an if, but if he can get to the PGA Tour, I truly think he's going to stay. He's oh, one of those sure. guys that he, he just needs his chance. I think on the web or uh, the Corn Ferry, you, everybody's so much more bunched up at the top of the leaderboard. It's, it's the differential. Anyway, he, he needs his shot because he is that good. I mean, a plus, the guy's a plus eight. He's just a freak on the golf course. He hits the ball a country mile. Every shot he hits is solid. But the difference is, and, and you said it earlier, what's the difference between a scratch and a seven handicap? We all hit it relatively similar. Maybe a seven handicaps his misses are a little bit worse. But where Chris is next level is Chris can rattle off six, seven, eight birdies in a row. You know, I'm the kind of guy, if I get on a heater and I, I, I get two or three in a row, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm, unfortunately, I'm looking for the clubhouse. I'm looking to get in. I'm looking to post that score. He's yeah. not. He's like, man, I got it going today. I wish I could stay out here all day long. I'll never forget the state yeah. tournament. In tournament play, I, it was my best round, competitive round. I shot 66 in, at state. And I bogeyed the last hole. And I'm telling you, my mindset on that back nine, I had it freaking going. I was rolling. I was, I was just looking for the clubhouse on that back nine. I just wanted to post that score and be done with it. Where Chris is, he gets a six or seven under, or four or five, or whatever that number is. He's like, he knows in his mind he has it that day. He's got something special. And he's, he wants to be out there all day long because he knows he can keep, keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's, that's the big difference, I think, between him and I. We both strike the ball well. He strikes it better. Uh, on the putting green as well, he's one of those guys. And I've noticed this more than ever. He always hits a solid putt, meaning if he's 30 feet away, he's scaring the hole every time. He may not make the time, but I'm telling you, that stroke, he is hitting. The consistency is there. Every putt is struck uh, with, a solid, with a solid stroke, and I think that's very impressive too. But his ability to just keep going even when he has a really good round going. Guys, he yep. shot in 61 at Meadowbrook three times. Right. You guys have played Meadowbrook. It is not an easy or 61 three times. No. It's just flat out impressive. Right. You just, nailed, you just hit on it. I mean, why are, what is the, what is the difference? Right. And that's it. But it's, it comes down to, they just don't get afraid, is afraid out there. I mean, because yeah. we, we, or anybody like a scratch or a division one player, you get afraid of taking it deep. He doesn't. Yeah. 
right? And so that's uh, it's fascinating, right, to see that separation. It's because you hit it probably just as good. But and and the just... amazing part about it is like, again, that's a choice. Like, yes, it's a habit. That's an mm-hmm. automatic thought pattern, but that is a choice. So when I made two birdies in a row this past weekend, that is a choice to then think about the next hole and what I don't want to do. Or can I hang on? No. Or the alternative is the two birdies happened. I'm, again, I'm not identifying with even the success that I just did. Ryan, your point of staying right. neutral, yeah. it's the same as making back-to-back doubles in my mind. Really, that's the goal when, is when you, you just play. You, totally. And, and when you have that day, we've all had those good days out there. And, you know, the, the, the hole just feels and looks bigger. Um, they don't come around a whole lot. So when they do, you want to take advantage of them. But it's one of those deals that, you know, if you're playing well, then play well. You know, don't, don't get in your own way there. You know, if, you, if you're striking the ball great that day or your stroke just, whoa, it feels good today. Or I'm standing over that 15-footer like, I'm, I'm jamming this in the back of the hole. I'm going to make this cut. Let it be, you know, and, and go. And I think I've gotten better at it. I'm nowhere near his level, not even in the same playing field. But it's one of those that's really fun to watch because it's very evident when you're playing with him and when he's playing well, you, you without asking him, you know how he's thinking. You're watching it. You're observing it. And that's my favorite thing about him is I, 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 observe, I observe him when I'm playing with him. We have a great time. It's also fun getting seven or eight shots from him too, but it's uh, it's just one of those that everything he does is is very very impressive and something that we can all learn from. And even though I'm an amateur golfer, not a professional, I'm still trying to better my game. And so there's so many things that I've learned from him that have have in turn helped me for sure. Yeah, imagine giving a plus one seven shots. I mean, it's just incredible. I don't like at that point. What are we doing? <laughs> he does. He, <laughs> He, he, want, he wants to gamble. He always wants a game. And I, I've, I've thought about, you know, negotiating those shots down because I don't want to accept that many. But he's like, no, it's, hey, there's a handicap system for a reason. And, and right. that's what I'm giving you. So, uh, yeah. So, Ryan. Great, great stuff. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I'll ask you one last thing. If you had to sum up the difference of when you play well versus when you don't play well, how would you sum up your mindset and give something – Give all of our listeners a little send off, something they can keep in mind for for themselves and the next time they play. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, seriously, and and do it. Have fun when you're out there. Try to truly embrace the game of golf and that you are out there able to play golf. All the world's problems are are kind of away during that moment. So truly enjoy your time out there. Especially right now. It's like the only thing we can do especially right now. And then just be very, very focused and disciplined out there. You know, really, I encourage you not necessarily to slow down, but think about your shot before you hit it. You know, what are you truly trying to accomplish on that shot? And I think, and again, it doesn't need to take 30 seconds for you to do that. It could be a very quick, quick hit, but think about what you're trying to do. Be very intentional and pull the trigger. And I think, uh, especially for the mid-range handicaps, I think very, very quickly, if you have that mindset, you can start shaving strokes and Next thing you know, you go from a nine to a six, and that's a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, Ryan, I had to live with you for four years in college, and there was times where I was unsure, but I gotta you, say, you got you've, to. You've got you, to live with me. You've really come a long way, and this was a great interview, and I'm glad that you're on the show for the second time, and been a big help to the show too, getting guests. So, well, Love it, Ryan. And, and- 
in, in all seriousness, it, it's been so fun watching you guys because, again, I said at the beginning, but you got my childhood best friend and my four-year college roommate, college best friend, and, and collaborating together to form something special. And the part train's awesome. I mean, you guys are really doing some cool stuff, and I love, uh, I love the approach you take. Look, you're not going to – overnight, you're not going to drop 10 shots. It just doesn't work that way. But really, the way you guys talk and how you think through it, it it's pretty awesome. So – you guys are uh, you guys are doing awesome things. I'm proud of you. Love you both, and uh, it's been awesome being on here with you. I mean, is this fun? Just a love. This is fest. what it's all about. This is what it's I, all about, right here. Hope you guys it, back at home can feel the love here. Well, I can't right. see you in person, but I'd love to give you guys a hug right now. Well, that baby's coming soon. We'll be uh, we're we're pulling for uh, for the whole Winehouse family. Exciting times on the horizon. So can't wait to hear you reveal the name Evelyn, and it's going to be really great. To have a yeah. legacy it's gonna be a tough start for the kids you go that direction <laughs> few weeks away guys few weeks away can't wait all right right thanks for coming on thanks right yeah everybody good one. all right